Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone. Whatever you may celebrate and or worship in the closing months of 2018, Muddy and I wish you the very best. In addition, we hope you get to spend quality time with your family and friends. Hanukkah wrapped up last week. Several other religions had celebrations in October and November. And coming up here in less than a week, I believe, is Christmas itself. Soon after that, New Year's. There's lots of holiday songs playing in the malls and on the radio right now. Rockers, country stars, pop stars, and more put out songs just for the holiday season. One song that comes back every year, and it always brings a smile to my face, is Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Well, the gentleman who wrote that song lives here in Dallas. His name? Randy Brooks. During the course of his music career, he's written many other songs. Several of those portray other holidays in the year as well. Today, we're going to talk with Randy about his world of music, and he will perform Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Everyone remembers the main line, but please, listen to all the lyrics. They're very good. By the way, it can be dangerous out there during the holiday season. To give you a sense as to how much, my wife and I were robbed at gunpoint two weeks ago. After our interview with Randy, I will close out the show discussing this challenging event and the after effects. Amy? Let's get the Dogger and Muddy Music Podcast underway. This is the Dogger and Muddy Music Show. Listen up. It's all about the music. Let's check in on the artists, songs, and people behind the scenes. Are you listening? Well, it's the holiday season, and we got to do a holiday show. So it's great. I'm sitting here with Randy Brooks. We're going to talk about his musical upbringing. I don't want to corner him in this, but because it's the holidays, we're, we probably are going to corner him on it. He's the famous individual who wrote Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. So, Randy, I want before we go off into the reindeer thing, I want to let the people know that you've done a heck of a lot beyond that. And it, I guess your, your story starts back when you were 15 and you played on the Ted Mack Amateur Hour. Is that right? Sure, which most people won't know what that is. That's right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it was on CBS on Sunday nights, and it was, I guess, the closest thing back then that they had to what American Idol is today. It was a a talent competition, and they'd have people from around the country come on, and they had the applause meter to see who, oh, did they? You know, who was the most popular on the show. Oh, I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, and, and like you said before we uh, turned on the mics, that was you think that was at the Ed Sullivan Theater, which is just fantastic. I think so. And in fact, well, Pat Boone came off of that show. I mean, he, he did the, uh, the amateur hour, and he was one of those multi-week winners, you know. So, so you're 15 years of age, and this is way before you wrote this song and other so- other songs that we'll discuss. So, how did you get on that show? How did that work out? I had a little high school trio. Um, we modeled ourselves after the Kingston Trio. Sure, okay, I My, can see that with your personality. That would have been great. Younger brother and a and a uh, classmate and I, and we uh, played around Louisville and were on TV. In Louisville, there was a uh, on Saturday there was a show that was high school talent, you know this kind of thing, and we were on there several times. And the amateur hour people were coming to town to do auditions in Louisville, and so we 
got on got on the auditions and got picked. I had an uncle who worked for the TV station. I never knew whether that played into my favor or not, but <laughs> we, we won a trip to New York to be on the show. Yeah. That's great. People, you may be hearing that Muddy's barking in the background. I think he wants to join us. So I'm going to bring him up on the stage. He handed over the, off the mic to, to Randy, but I guess he wants to be closer. Just a sec. Muddy may have already heard something he feels is not factual. And he's Muddy may have. Back. Yes, he may have. He, he's, he's up here now, but he's still trying to figure out which way he wants to go. So you were from Kentucky originally, is that what yes, you're saying? born okay. and raised in Louisville. Okay, and then you went on to college where you, you met my brother-in-law, Rick, but you went to Vanderbilt, right? Absolutely. And it was there that I came home with a, with a fraternity brother for spring break one year and got a look at Dallas women and just never went back to Kentucky. I can understand that. I came down here in 69 and went to North Park, and it was like, whoa, this yeah. is a different world, man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's back when they used to have uh, they used to be able to land helicopters across the street at the North Park Inn to bring people to the mall. Oh, crack me up! Wow. Rick tells a story about you dropped into a studio when Paul Simon was recording or something like that. Yeah, your brother-in-law Rick and I uh, both worked at the campus radio station. At that's Canada right. Road. That's yeah. right. And one of our co-workers there was Gary Scruggs, whose father was Earl Scruggs, the banjo picker. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. So he always knew when something was going on, especially with Columbia artists. And uh, he let us know that Simon and Garfunkel were there recording at RCA Studios, and they were doing the Bridge Over Troubled Water album. Oh, wow. And so we headed over there one night, about midnight, and the whole front of the place, all the lights were out. You'd have never known there was anything going on. There was just a... um, there was just a, a bare naked light bulb over a back door. And the door was open. It was open. No security. So we walked in, and the first thing we saw was Art Garfunkel, and he, and he said, hi, you know, just assume we were supposed to be there. And so we went and hung out in the hall. We would love to have walked into the, the studio itself, but didn't dare. And in a minute, here comes Paul Simon out of the studio, along with Charlie McCoy, great harmonica player yeah uh, i was familiar with charlie because he had a rock band that was our favorite band at the fraternity house charlie mccoy and the escorts i really wasn't aware of his country music and all that kind of thing but uh he was playing harmonica and it was a it was a great big long kind of a baritone harmonica i don't know what you call it i hadn't and, seen one of those in years but i remember people playing those crazy uh, things. and you'll hear it on on the song the boxer on that album and they stood in a corner out in the hall, and Paul said, "Here's how I'd like this solo to go." Do 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 do, and taught it to him. And then here the the album comes out a couple of months later, and we heard it, there it is. Oh wow, that's yeah. cool. And it, there was also another a longer-haired group uh, hanging out in the hall too. They were the entourage for Moby Grape, who was recording across the Moby. hall. Yeah. I remember Moby Grape. They were in Studio C or whatever. And eventually, if somebody came by and said, "Are you guys the brothers?" and we said, "Yeah, we we are." Whoever that is. So that made it okay. But finally, uh, the brothers must have showed up, and they realized we weren't, and so we got kicked out. <laughs> We got to hang around for a while. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And I just saw that back door last month for the first time in a long time. I went up there to uh, sing on a recording for Lance Carpenter that was doing a version of Grandma. And the studio that he was singing in uh, was right next door to RCA and brought back memories. 
I love it. You mentioned a little earlier, came to Dallas and stayed. You developed into one or two or three bands, and you were on stage probably every weekend for a while there, right? I did a, a lot of it in the, in the 70s. Well, when I first came down here, the job that I got that brought me here was a singing waiter at a dinner theater. So All right. I got to sing and play guitar, but I also got to be in some plays and get my actor's equity card. And I first thought that was the direction I would go. I can see that. If you want to starve in a hurry, that's (laughs) waiting for a role. And uh, in the meantime, some friends who were familiar with me and a couple of my novelty songs, I used to get up and sit in with their band, invited me to join the band. And that's young country that that I still play with. Occasionally, we, we have get-togethers once or twice a year. And right. Yeah, I saw you last year. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. You're with them, but in a story I read the other day about you that you were going to bed one night, I would, get, I would assume it was around Christmas, I don't know, but it was like in 1977, you're going to bed, and all of a sudden this, something popped into your head, right? One of the guys in the band had loaned me some Christmas albums because I was wanting to make a compilation tape to play, you know, of all these different Christmas songs. And one of them was a Merle Haggard album. And Merle had the song Grandma's Homemade Christmas Card on there, which was just a dismal recitation. <laughs> and I, I'm i a big fan of Merle Haggard, but this was not this was not up to his caliber. It was just obviously thrown together as an album filler. And the the gist of his song was that Grandma was an artist who drew these beautiful cards, and every year the family could hardly wait for the card to arrive so that they could put it up in the middle of the mantle. And you just said, uh-oh, this is going to be one of those songs, verse 3, they're going to be standing out in the snow by the mailbox and no card, you know. And we're going to find out that Grandma's been lying cold on the floor and nobody's checked on her. (laughs) (laughs) And that, you know, that formula had been used so many times, and I just thought, Merle... Come on, tell it to us straight. You know, if grandma's dead, just say so. And then if you could still write three verses and a chorus afterwards without teasing people, that would be an interesting exercise. And so that was the exercise I set out for myself. And you and you created? A monster. Yeah. yeah. Like, like I say in my bio, you know, that uh, no matter what else I do in life, that's going to always be the thing. It's kind of like... The John Wilkes Booth of songwriters. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's, it's done great for you. And you've written a ton of other songs. Uh, uh, unfortunately, some of those haven't reached the popularity that this one has. But believe me, folks, he's got, you've got Easter songs. You've got them all in there. And they're very good. They're great. Well, thank you. Even another million seller because I had the, the backside of the Grandma single also and a, a song that was on the Grandma album. So, a Good thing. Good point. Yeah. So... So you've written it, and if I remember right, you just started playing it, and I think you recorded it onto a CD so you could give it out when you when you performed. So so I didn't record it, but I was singing it with Young Country out in Lake Tahoe, and Elmo and Patsy, this other act that played out there, they heard it and said, would you put it on a cassette for us so that we can learn it? And they not only learned it, but they went into a studio in Nashville and recorded it, and they made a record to sell from the stage at their shows and somehow got a copy into San Francisco to KSFO. And Gene Nelson, I, I always tell people here that he was the, the Ron Chapman of San Francisco. And okay. he, uh, he was of a stature that he had been the MC of the last Beatles concert at Candlestick Park. So been around for years. Everybody listened to him. And he played Grandma on the radio. And that's... 
And then they got a whole bunch of phone calls. Some of them weren't real happy, right? No, people were saying, don't ever play that song again. <laughs> <laughs> but a bunch said, keep playing it. Yeah, and I'm sure that kind of that controversy breeds listeners. Absolutely. Yeah, so he, so he would tease people with it, and then he would play it again. And it got enough notoriety that the San Francisco Chronicle came and wrote a big story about the song and about Elmo and Patsy, and it it was the whole top half of the entertainment section one day. So that was the first real write-up on the song? I think so. And it got picked up by the wire services and sent around the country, really, around the, around the world. And so <clears throat> then people started running little bits of this article and saying, how can we get a copy of that record? Because they started doing stories about it on TV and radio news, too which seems really weird today, but it must have had that kind of impact. Yeah, it's just a classic in its own way. Well, it was just so outrageous. And very tongue-in-cheek. Absolutely. You know, obviously tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. So when did, when did you record it then? Not until 2012 or something. I finally... Oh, really? Yeah, I finally made a CD of my own. It took me a long time to get around to it. I wasn't playing much as a singer-songwriter, I was mostly hiding behind bands my whole life, and about 10 years ago, I started doing more singer-songwriter things, and it turned out, I mean, people expect you to have a CD. Whether anybody buys it or not, that's just sort of yeah. one of the requirements, and a website if you want to play right. some of these festivals and stuff like that. So, right. so I, I quickly turned out that, C, that CD and a, and a live CD, and now my recording of it is out there, and I found out recently that if you say, hey, Alexa, play Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer by Randy Brooks, yeah? she's got it. <laughs> really? Oh, that's great. And actually, I'm not that thrilled with my recording of it, but I, but I had to do it. If anybody's going to buy a CD of mine, they're expecting that song to be on there. Absolutely. Yeah. So between 1980 or, whenever, or 78 and 2012, I probably can't remember all of them, but do you have a sense for how many people recorded that song? I don't know all of them, but in the in the last few years, it's picked up. I mean, in the early days, there was some band in Finland that recorded it in Finnish. Okay, that was that was kind of a novelty. But you know, I figured this is a kind of a song that is not going to get covered a lot because it's like t telling a joke over and over again if you've already heard the joke. But in recent years, Ray Stevens is recorded it the coasters mitch Ryder has it out this year mitch Ryder, yeah and it doesn't sound anything like devil with a blue dress on yeah i'll bet i'll bet they're all pretty i would say pretty uninspired you know recording just going through the motions well this came up last night home free the acapella <clears throat> um country Ooh. band that did a Ooh. uh one of the competition shows they were the winners of they do a great live version of it and also a, a fun recorded version. And last night on the, uh, the well, this will tell when we're recording this, but last night on the, the red carpet at the CMAs, they, they came out and said something about that being their favorite Christmas song. That is so cool. Yeah, very nice. I read there were cartoons about it? Yeah, long about the late 80s, people started expressing an interest in making an animated special on it, you know, like a Frosty or Rudolph, but much less, much less kid-friendly. The, uh, there were, at one time, there were three main companies who were all given a pitch for it, and I think Disney was one or some, really? some company, you know, affiliated with Disney, and I can't remember one, and the other one was 
the Fred Rappaport Company, and Fred uh, used to be head of specials for CBS. He had produced the Grand Ole Opry 75th anniversary special oh, wow. and Carol Burnett special and all these things. And he took Elmo and me to breakfast one day in Nashville at the Lowe's Vanderbilt and and made his pitch and very smooth guy and said, uh, if you... Well, one thing, if you if you do this thing with me, you'll never have to worry about putting your kids through college. But he also said, we'll do quality animation. It won't be any this cheap Japanese stuff, you know. And his partner in the project was Phil Roman that started The Simpsons. Yes. And so that was who we wound up going with. I actually didn't have a, a vote. I wasn't a voting partner because I wasn't the publisher. I didn't own the song. At, but, that, at that time. Yeah. But he still, you know, but still knowing that I could express my, my preference and stuff. So we, we went with him. This thing, it's on the CW network twice a year, the day after Thanksgiving and then again in mid-December every, yeah. every year. And it's always the lowest rated show in its time slot. But I guess the CW doesn't have a lot of <laughs> holiday programming. And if you stick around long enough to watch the credits, you'll see all these Japanese names at the end that did the animation. No. <laughs> supposed to be oh, the schmuck but you know seriously i don't send the checks back no that's right well and then speaking of that as you hinted to you didn't have the rights to it for a while you did kind of what uh, paul mccartney and john lennon did they let the rights go to the song you could tell us that story a little bit sure and i i think it's a real common story when you first start out you're, you're brand new I had, when I was in college, I had taken some songs around the publishers in Nashville, and they were dreadful songs, and, and they were treated accordingly. You know, the people would say, well, I don't believe we heard anything we can use. But I studied record labels. I knew that you had to have a publisher. Right. I, I did not know that you could be your own publisher. Oh. And so when, when I was presented with the opportunity to sign a publishing contract, I said, this is great. That's what I've always wanted. And so I did not realizing that what you do is you give your song away and then the publisher pays you half of the money that they take in oh, off of it. Oh. Um, but luckily, the copyright law these days says that after 35 years, you have the right to terminate the publishing contract and start over again. Either sell it to somebody else or take it on yourself. It yourself. So I... I sought the, uh, just to be sure I didn't make any mistakes, I sought the help of a person up in Nashville who specializes in this, who had helped Roy Orbison's widow and, and uh, Phil Everly and Ray Stevens, these people, get their publishing back. Good. And I, and I did that. So now I'm the publisher once again. And the, and the guy who was helping me said, now, if you were interested, I could also help you find another publisher to buy this and since it's a valuable property you know you could probably make a nice chunk of change off of it but i i put the pencil to it and i thought about it and anything that anybody was willing to pay me for it would be because they're planning on recouping a whole lot more than they're paying for it and i thought i i'd rather roll the dice and gamble on myself especially because it it'll go to my kids yeah 
the copyright lasts for 70 years beyond the author's lifetime. Oh, very. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for telling me that. 70 so, years. Yeah. Also, it may go on to your grandkids, too, then. Yeah. That's actually called the Sonny Bono Law. Sonny was the one who got the copyright extended that long. And somebody told me it might even be, it might even be up to 90 years now. So, yeah, you're right. Your grandkids. Incredible. That's great. So, I, unless this thing just falls off the map, and it hasn't in 40 years... I figure, hopefully, the the family is going to make more money off of it than they could by taking a nice lump sum, you know, and walking away from it. Yeah, I, I think it's good that it's not a song that somebody decides to play it constantly throughout the year. You're, this song really gets played 90, 98% of the time in the last month of the year, sure maybe, maybe a little bit in January. So it doesn't get worn out in, in, in people's minds. It's just kind of this eclectic thing that comes around every holiday, and you go, I remember this, I remember where I heard it, or whatever. Well, because it was, it was pretty shocking for, for that. I think eclectic thing is a great way to describe yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's great. And so you mentioned to me that even though you didn't have the rights to it until 35 years afterwards, it still assisted you a lot in uh, some of your kids' expenses for college. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, maybe maybe it's in some ways just as well that I didn't have the, the rights to it because I didn't know that much about exploiting, you know, and even now I have a copyright administrator to take on a lot of the technical aspects of it for me. But, yeah, I always say it put the kids put the kids through school and now it's paying for their weddings and every time mama needs a new pair of shoes why well, she <laughs> there's well, always another check coming well before we close out the show with you performing the song give our listeners kind of a view view of some of the other songs that you've written and for people to check out you you do have at least one CD out that's available I've got it right up here on my CD CD uh, drawer I do Randy Brooks greatest hit that's right that's right <laughs> singular and then there's also a live one a holiday house party or house concert that was just me and a guitar doing a house concert for a group and that that's more holiday oriented okay and and some of the songs I've written I do have quite a few holiday songs because the opportunity presented itself. Once I had one hit, right. people came to me and said, do you have any more for us? And um, that was the case with this other million seller, Percy the Puny Poinsettia, that <laughs> Elmo and Patsy called me after a couple of years and said, we're doing so well with Grandma, we want to make a whole album with that as our title cut. Do you have any other Christmas songs for us you'd like us to consider? And I said, I don't yet, but could you give me 20 minutes and I'll call you back. And Wow. So I ran out and I wrote this silly little song and they used it. So that was great. And you've got a song for Easter, I believe, right? And well, I've done a, I've done a grandma got run over at Easter time in the ah, Easter parade. Okay. A, a friend uh, had me playing on a thing over the week before Easter over in Fort Worth last year. And he said, but I don't want you to do grandma because you know that's just not the right time of year so i thought well i'll show him i'll <laughs> i'll do something for easter so yeah i do but then i and then there are a lot of novelty songs will you be ready at the plate when jesus throws the ball that's and, the one i heard last year when i saw you i love that one put a bag over your head and let's make love but there's there's also a few <laughs> that aren't novelty songs one one that i wrote for my wife that's probably my my favorite, whole lot better half of me, and 
few Good. few different things like that. And you perform, like we were talking before the show started, you perform a lot at writer events in Nashville or around the country, right? I do. I just came back from a weekend down in Florida and Alabama on the Gulf Coast at this Frank Brown International Songwriter Festival. And that kind of thing is so fun because I, I get to play with some a lot of real songwriters, you know, who, who do it every day for a living and meet people who wrote songs that are part of my experience growing up. And that's yeah. very exciting for me. I'll bet that's a blast. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is the holiday season, and so I definitely want to wish you and all of our listeners a great holiday. And if you don't mind, Randy, will you take us out with singing Grandma Got Run Over by the Reindeer? Absolutely, and right back at you. Happy holidays to you, Dad. I love it, Randy. Thank you. And to Muddy. And to Muddy, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, i got to put his reindeer uh, uh, headdress on soon. That's right. (laughs) Whenever you're ready, Randy. Okay. Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we begged her not to go But she forgot her medication So she staggered out the door into the snow When we found her Christmas morning At the scene of the attack She had hoof prints on her forehead And incriminating claws marks on her back Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Now we're all so proud of Grandpa He's been taking this so well See him in there watching football Drinking beer and playing cards with Cousin Mel It's not Christmas without Grandma All the family's dressed in black And we just can't help but wonder Should we open up her gifts or send them back? Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Now the goose is on the table And a pudding made of fig And a blue and silver candle That would just have matched the hair in Grandma's wig I've warned all my friends and neighbors Better watch out for yourselves They should never give a license To a man who drives a sleigh and plays with elves Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa 
But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Merry Christmas. So don't drink too much eggnog out there, right? Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Please check out Randy Brooks' whole repertoire of songs. He is super creative and a super nice guy. Also keep a close eye on how much rum or brandy (laughs) your relatives put in the eggnog during this holiday season. As I mentioned, at the beginning of the show, my wife and I got robbed at gunpoint while taking a walk at dusk a couple weeks ago. Some of you may be asking, well, where the heck was Muddy, my co-host in our chocolate lab rescue? For those of you that didn't know, he's up in age and due to physical challenges, he can only wander within a two to three house range of our house. So he had already completed his wander and we'd put him back in the house and had taken off on our walk. When coming back, a couple blocks from our house, this red car pulled in front of us, cut us off, and three masked men jumped out of the car and robbed us. One had a Glock. I couldn't tell if it was real or not, but I had no interest in validating its reality. Both my wife and I stayed calm. It was surreal more than anything else. We cooperated. About the time they got everything they wanted, A big black truck started pulling up. They hustled into their car and took off. I will say, if three large men had jumped out of the car, that would have jacked up the fear monitor. But our robbers were relatively short and seemed to be young, in the late teens, early 20s. Over a 10-day stretch, they were involved in nine or more other robberies. With the information, the other victims, and we supplied the Dallas Police Force, they were able to catch the team of robbers. The two detectives that worked the case were simply fantastic. We cannot thank them enough. All I can say is if a crazy event like this happens to you, please stay calm, cooperate, and remember as much detail as possible about your perpetrators. Have a great holiday. That includes Christmas, New Year's, and all other special days. Take care, and Muddy and I will see you soon. Adios. For ongoing updates, follow Dogger and Muddy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time. Adios. Can I feel speak? Punches underwater. Drifting in the open sea. Or is this a dream? Can I see over me? Trust is to falter and to taste to receive. Is this a dream? I won't.